It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! And welcome to the big show, the very first show of 2022. Welcome, everybody, and Happy New Year. Good to see you. Let me double check and make sure I'm streaming because today we are going to talk about. There we are. Okay. Today we are going to talk about um, New Year's resolutions. How many did you make this year? <laughs> I made one, and I'll tell you what it is later. Um, wow, hello from Sydney, um, far, far away. It's what time? Sydney is what, like 9 o'clock in the morning right now? Um, anyway, Happy New Year. <clears throat> oh, no, it's starting already, and I've got to talk for 90 minutes. My goodness. Uh, we all make resolutions, right? Uh, and some you stick with, most you don't. Did you know that only 10% of us stick to the resolutions that we make? And most only stick with them for a few months at best. Sad but true. Sad, sad but true. Um, and I think that the reason that 90% of resolutions are not successful is that most people make resolutions about doing things they really don't want to do. Because if you wanted to do it, you wouldn't need to make a resolution to make sure that you do do it. Is that a double positive or a double negative or something in there? I'm not really sure. My English teacher from uh, high school would be freaked out if she heard that. Anyway, it makes sense, right? If you've got to resolve, I'm going to do it, then that means you're not doing it. We don't do what we don't want to do. But research shows that resolutions made about doing things that you love have a much higher probability of success. So it's much easier to accomplish things that are fun and rewarding, right? Fun makes it easy to start, and the rewarding part gives you the, mom the momentum you need in the forward... Um, <laughs> no, it gives you the motivation you need in the forward momentum. Because both of those things um, are resolutions that are doing something for you. But before we get into the specifics of New Year's resolutions, I'd like to suggest that you change your mindset. Resolve to think of yourself as a musician, a singer, a songwriter, a composer, an artist who is on his or her way to becoming successful. Think about that. You're on your way to becoming successful. Maybe you already are. I hope you are. Um, so stop thinking and acting like a musician who believes that the industry owes you or the world or the universe, any of those things, owe you a career because that's what you've always wanted. Nobody, nothing, no universe, God, your friends, your family, nobody owes you um, success in the music industry just because you want it. But if you stop believing the dozens of toxic old wives' tales that musicians have passed down from generation to generation, you can start thinking and acting like somebody who will become successful and who music industry professionals will want to work with. They'll want to do business with you. Um, don't keep replaying those bad tapes in your head of the industry is out to rip me off. How many times have you heard that or have you said that in, in all these years? The industry, you know, is trying to rip you off or screw you somehow. 
I don't know. Uh, just because they want to make money doesn't mean they have to screw you to make money. They they want to make money, and by you making money, they're making money. So there you go. Hire a lawyer when you sign the contract, especially if it's a record deal contract. Maybe not so much for a little music library contract, but uh, that's a whole other show right there. Um, well, I, I hate it when I hear people that say, I hate the music I hear on the radio today. Um, yeah, you know, there are probably two or three big pop radio stations in every market. They tend to play the same things over and over. And maybe you do hate it. Maybe it's not as good as the Beatles you grew up on or the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young or the Steely Dan or the Doobie Brothers or whomever you love from your era. Um, maybe it, it doesn't resonate with you. But if you go into Spotify um, or Apple Music and go deep, there there is a ton of great music out there right now, a ton of it. But you're probably not going to find it on a top 40 radio station. Sometimes, yes, most of the time, no. But uh, it really troubles me when I hear people say, I hate the music I hear today. It's like, okay, so everybody's taste is bad out there. And that gives you justification that you're not successful because they wouldn't know good music if it jumped up and bit them on the ass, right? Well, I also hate it when I hear people say, it's a lottery, I don't stand a chance. Well, lottery is a game of chance. It's pure chance. At least we hope it's pure chance. Uh, music industry is not. There are things that you can do to affect the outcome, uh, to, to move, you know, tip the scales in your favor. Uh, most people don't want to do it because that requires a lot of work. Um, I, I hate it when I hear people say, my music is better than what I hear from other people. In your opinion, <laughs> sample size of the audience, uno. Um, or people that say, taxi won't work for me. Um, those people who are successful with taxi are just lucky. Yeah, that's it. They got some sort of magical break that you didn't get, even though they're using the, the same company, the same screeners, the same listings, all that stuff. So when you blame others or the world at large for your own lack of success, the stench of that stays with you. You carry that smell around and those who couldn't help you become successful or those who could help you become successful will smell it on you. They do. People can just feel it when you're a negative Nancy. Um, so conversely, if you think of the positive aspects and consider yourself a lucky person, uh, the people around you will feel the optimism and want to work with you. What are some positive aspects of your life as a musician, as a singer, songwriter, artist, what have you? Well, you can play one or more instruments, right? Big ding, positive. Hold on, do I have a positive thing? Um, nope, I do not. <laughs> Um, anyway, you can play an instrument. Maybe you can play a bunch of instruments. Maybe you're really, really good at those instruments. Uh, another positive thing, you have the opportunity to make music your career. It's there for the taking. That's a positive, so stop looking at the negative. Here's another positive. Through Taxi and its community, you have incredible resources at your fingertips, putting you miles ahead of the people who want the same thing you want, but don't have the resources. So there you go, a positive. Here's another positive. Um, through Taxi, you have about 100 real, oops, feel a sneeze coming on, 100 real opportunities for your music every month that you didn't have before. 
How many years before you discovered taxi? And I don't want to turn this into a commercial for taxi, but think about it. Let's say you are 38 years old and you've been a musician since you were 17. So for 21 years you've been a musician. Did any A&R people or publishers or music supervisors show up at your house or like check out your band when you guys were jamming in the garage? No. Um, did you have any resources for oper real resources for real opportunities when you were like coming up in music? No, but now you do. That's a positive. Because you watch Taxi TV and you're a member of Taxi's community on our forum, you already have a much better understanding of what types of music are needed by the industry, right? Before you got involved in all this, you were clueless. You, you just made the music you made and thought, well, somebody out there should like it. They should like it. And if they don't, they're dumb. <laughs> well, that's a negative thought. Um, no, you actually have uh, all these positive things going for you. So now you've got this better understanding of what types of music are needed by the industry and how the business side of the music industry actually works. I don't think you had, most of you didn't have that stuff before, but now you do. So put that in the plus column. You have much to be grateful for. You're already on the path to success, right? Uh, you're lucky and you should remind yourself of that every day, every morning, just after you brush your teeth, assuming that you actually brush your teeth, right? <laughs> I hope you're brushing your teeth. Good dental hygiene, you know? They say the mouth is the gateway to all the other bad stuff that can go in your body. Um, healthy mouth, healthy body. Um, anyway, uh, right after you brush your teeth, say, I am so lucky because, and just rattle one thing off. I'm so lucky because I'm a really good guitar player. I'm so lucky because I understand the music industry far more today than I did a couple of years ago. I'm so lucky because there are a hundred new opportunities for me to submit music every month. I'm so lucky because I understand the music industry way better than I did before. So you've got all those reasons. You could say, I'm so lucky because I love my family. Or you could say, I'm so lucky because I finally got divorced from that person I couldn't stand living with anymore. I don't know. Whatever is lucky for you, say it out loud right before or right after you brush your teeth. Make it a habit. Habits are good. Good habits are good. Healthy habits are good. Bad habits, not good. <laughs> anyway, do it at the same time every day so that you get in the habit of doing it, right? Um, that'll help your sense of optimism and seep into your conscious and your unconscious mind, and you'll begin to feel lucky. You know, if you don't feel lucky, if you feel unlucky, again, the stench, ooh, all over you, goes with you wherever you go. If you feel lucky, hold on, let's see, how do I get there? Oh, I can't. I was going to play another cool sound effect, but I can't figure out how to get to it. It's on tier two of my sound effect buttons. Um, and there's no arrow. There should be like a forward arrow, but there is not. Oh man, that makes me feel unlucky. <laughs> anyway, collaborators want to work with lucky people. Companies want to sign positive lucky people. Virtually every one of our successful members has a positive attitude. Every one of them. I have yet to meet any of taxis like you know, 50 grand a year, 100 grand a year, 150, $200,000 a year or more, any of those successful members, every single one of them that I have met over the years, they all have um, just 
a positive attitude. There's no better. They're they're not any more special than you are. They're not any more gifted musically than you are. Um, frankly, some of them are not the strongest musicians in the world, but they've figured out the code. They have cracked the code to making TV music, and they found out, gee, I don't need to be a magnificent musician. I don't even need to be a fantastic composer. I just need to be the kind of composer that actually makes music that people want and can make money with. And they feel lucky about that. So there you go. Um, so let's get into some resolutions for the new year. All right, uh, some ground rules. I've actually used this segment on shows in previous years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Guess what it's time for? It's time for my first rock star of 2022. Gotta love that. Okay. Michael, call for technical assistance. I'm the only one that knows the uh, the roadcaster. I know if I pull up the app on my laptop that I'll see the uh, section B and section C of the sound effects keys, but um, I don't know how to access it from the hardware. Oh, well, figure it out. So, um, all right. Some things to get into just prior to the resolutions. Don't get overwhelmed by creating goals that are big in general. When you create a big general goal, it's kind of meaningless. It's not focused and generally it kind of feels overwhelming. Things like, I will succeed with my music. Really? What exactly does that mean, Mr. I will succeed with my music? Um, success comes, <clears throat> you know, is different for all kinds of different people. Um, I'm going to be the next Beatles. That's one form of success. Good luck with that one. Um, I'm going to write a hit song and get it cut by a huge artist. Tough road to hope, doable, takes a while, ain't going to happen overnight. Um, let's see, I'm going to su succeed with my music. I'm going to play down in the subway in New York City and earn $100 a day in the tip jar. That's another form of success. Um, I'm going to come up with an instrumental cue that's going to end up in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Rockstar burp coming. <laughs> Here's a warning. Anyway enough of my uncouth behavior. Let's get back to the bullet points on the page in front of me. I will become a famous musician. Broad, general, big, admirable, really big. How are you going to do that? Give me some specifics. I will write hit songs. Well, how many have you written prior to tomorrow? I'm guessing none. So what's going to change between today and tomorrow? I'm going to write hit songs. Hmm, let me think about that. Well, it's just I want it so badly that I'm going to write one. It's just going to fall out of the sky, fall into my lap, and I'm going to write a hit song. No, it's going to take work. It's going to take a long time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I'll become a famous producer. Again, admirable. What exactly does that mean? What kind of music are you going to produce? Where are you going to find the artists that are going to be the vehicle for your productions? Are you going to be the artist? Uh, and how are you going to get your music heard if you're the producer? Again, it's admirable. It's just big and vague and general and broad. So 
I suggest that you start small to achieve big. Instead of big, vague goals, create specific, small, achievable goals that will motivate you to move forward as you accomplish each one. It's a really important sentence. I, I see this from our members all the time. Um, people that get their first forward are highly motivated to go write more, let's say, instrumental cues or more songs for film and TV or more whatever. Um, so the, their first forward gets them all excited. The first time a library reaches out to them, they feel like, all right, I've cracked the code. The pearly gates have opened up and things are really going to start happening for me. Well, how are they going to happen for me? I need to write a lot of music. So they get very prolific and they start writing and recording all the time. And guess what? Success begets success because they write a lot more. They submit a lot more. They get more stuff picked up by libraries, which ultimately means that they're going to get some placements. All that stuff is like guzzling from the, you know, a gallon of motivation juice. Um, it's amazing what one forward or one deal offer or one placement can do. But because it motivates you, you do a lot more of the same thing and you find out, wow, look at that. I'm becoming successful. I feel so lucky. So some examples of smaller things that can move you forward um, would be, this is a really good one. And I think that this one probably applies to like 60% of our members. I will create a simple instrumental cue with just two or three instruments and I'll do it in less than four hours. Think about that. Why would you tackle like a big orchestral piece, you know, bombastic, epic, um, like trailer type of orchestral hybrid? Why would you do that when you could get the incredible satisfaction of actually finishing something, which is really important. A lot of people start stuff and they don't finish. I see that all the time. Um, it's one of the few things in life I'm probably not guilty of. I, I actually was laughing to myself before I hit the go button today thinking, oh my goodness, um, who am I to pontificate on this stuff? But you know, um, maybe I've earned somewhat of a right because I've built a successful company that's been operating and thriving for 30 years, 30 years. So I can, you know, speak from that little mountain of, of uh, success. You know, it's all relative. I didn't build Apple. I didn't build Microsoft. I am not um, Elon Musk, although I'd like to be. <laughs> One time my, my wife and I were watching, there's a little side note here. I, I've been binging uh, the fourth season of um, uh, Yellowstone with Kevin Costner on the Paramount Channel. Great show if you haven't seen it. It's a modern-day Western about a family that owns the biggest ranch in Colorado. Um, a lot of politics, a lot of family, Michigas, uh, a lot of horses, a lot of, you know, riding horses out on the range and herding cattle and being cowboys. And it, It's an awesome show. And I'm just looking at that show, saying to my I turned to my wife and said, man, I'd like to wake up and be Kevin Costner tomorrow. And she goes, yeah, I'd like that too. <laughs> I meant Kevin Costner as the character in the show, riding horses out on the range. I love mountains and that kind of stuff. I grew up in a farm town, so um, I love horses. And just, you know, to like, that's your job is to ride a horse and, and go herd some cattle. They probably do with drones now. Anyway, 
I wanted to be Kevin Costner. My wife wanted me to be Kevin Costner, too. Anyway, I digress. Back to today's show. So do a simple instrumental cue. Do, uh, again, I always go to this reference because it's easy to imagine it in your brain. If you can imagine it, you can do it. Um, so imagine you're doing a cue for um, Duck Dynasty, which is only on the air and reruns now, but you get the idea. The guys wake up, they get on their four-wheeler ATVs, and they're heading down a country road to go shoot some poor innocent little ducks as they fly over. Looking down, you know what? If you're dumb enough to think that wooden thing floating in the pond is one of your brothers or sisters, maybe you deserve to be picked off by some guy with a 20 gauge. I don't know, just saying. Um, nobody ever said ducks were smart, right? <laughs> Liz is crying right now. I've hurt Liz's feelings. Liz loves animals. I love animals, Liz. I just like making fun of ducks. Um, anyway, it's. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. No, it's 5.30 a.m. The sun's coming up. They're heading down the gravel road out to the duck blind. And what do you hear? You hear it's a new day dawning music, an acoustic guitar, a nicely recorded acoustic guitar, about mic'd about four inches away with a fair amount of compression on it. And it just goes, a big open G chord arpeggiate, arpeggiated, like dragging the pick over the strings. And just do that on the ones. Just do it on the downbeats. Let it ring for, you know, a measure. And then overdub a bottleneck slide dobro on top of it. If you don't have a dobro, just bottleneck slide on, on another acoustic guitar. And then maybe another acoustic guitar that just does a little rhythmic thing with it or something. Put one guitar on one side, one guitar on the other side, maybe the slide down the middle. You've got three instruments, three tracks, one microphone, and the whole thing would probably take you to do a 90-second cue, an hour or two. Not a very tough mix. You don't have to write any lyrics. You don't have to record any vocals. You don't have to record any background vocals. But you've finished something. You've completed something. You've built a cue. Whoops, hold on, I got to stop the show. Pictures of the grandkids just arrived on my computer. I, I swear, I think that my daughter sits at home and says, all right, Grandpa's doing taxi TV right now. Let's send him pictures right in the middle of the show. Every day, just saying. Anyway, um, so there's one for you. Create a simple instrumental cue with just two or three instruments and do it in less than four hours. That is easy and achievable. That will motivate you to do another cue like that and another and another. I will look, this is our next bullet point, I will look at a list of genres of film and TV music and make a list of the ones that seem most easily achievable for me. If you've never done any big orchestral stuff like a trailer cue, don't start now. Go back, pull out that acoustic, acoustic guitar and do that. And then after you've mastered that and get some forwards with it, and maybe even get some placements with it, maybe try adding a dirty harmonica part to it or, you know, a distorted, bluesy slide part on top of it. Or maybe a little B3 with it. Whatever. Just, you know, take it to the next level. Something manageable and doable that you can actually achieve and feel good about. Um, and then in, in the list of genres, why, 
take everything that you know that you don't know well and cross it off and then look at what's left and see, oh, okay, there are actually 12 different genres of music that I think I could do. And think out of the box a little bit. Hey, guess what? If you're normally a country songwriter or a singer-songwriter and you play acoustic guitar and sing vocals, you can certainly do those acoustic guitar instrumental cues. And then once you master that, the recording and the production and all that stuff, maybe then write some lyrics and, and do a simple guitar vocal, um, you know, singer-songwriter thing. Not everything for a TV show or a movie has to be like a record or a really complex piece. Sometimes just an acoustic guitar and a voice for the right kind of song works wonders. Next thing, I will print lyric sheets of my songs and highlight lines or sections that are not general or universal so I can better understand what not to do for film and TV songs. So go through your lyrics and try to identify, no, don't try, identify, succeed at this. Succeed at identifying the lyric lines that are not universal. If you mention a name, a place, a time, a specific name, place, time, brand, profanity. Uh, if you could just grade your own papers as it were by looking at your lyric sheets, you're gonna start writing your lyrics differently. So start there, that's an achievable goal. Look at what you've already done, grade your paper, and it will seep into your consciousness or unconsciousness, and you will start to write lyrics that you will catch yourself when you stick something in there and go, nope, I can't include St. Louis. I, I can't include um, went to the hotel cafe. You can't include that stuff because it dramatically lessens the chances of it getting used in a, a TV show or a movie because those places aren't in that show. And if they were, it'd probably be too on the nose anyway. Here's another easy one. This is one that I want to do. Um, and I, I swore that I was going to do this in 2021 and I didn't see. I'm just like you. <laughs> I will watch one video per day that teaches me how to use my DAW. Remember, I bought Logic a couple months before the 2020 Road Rally. I've spent, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 hours playing around with it, mostly just checking out um, plugins because I love plugins. I love Outboard, and by extension, I love plugins. Um, and I've done some mixes on it, and I've really enjoyed it, but I haven't recorded anything on it. Sadly, I'm not a good enough player on any instrument to be a one-man band and record my own stuff. Um, but watch one video per day that teaches you how to use your DAW, and try each tip several times so it becomes muscle memory. Um, that's my excuse for not doing it, is I don't have enough time in my life, sadly, because of taxi. Uh, which is my passion, but I don't have enough time to do it every day. I can't devote three or four hours an evening to it. Uh, if I did, we wouldn't have a newsletter, we wouldn't have taxi TV, we wouldn't have a lot of stuff. So I don't do it, but maybe you could. Um, you know, maybe I should stop watching uh, Yellowstone on the Paramount Network um, and take those couple hours a night because I'm watching at least a couple episodes a night. Maybe I should take those, but... Even if I learned how to do the stuff, I would have to bring in players to play for me. So ain't gonna work for me at this stage of life. But the videos that are on YouTube, and I've watched a lot of them actually. I, I watch a lot of videos while preparing the newsletter every month. 
the tutorials for how to do anything in a home studio, uh, there are so many that are great. Many, many, many. I've rarely seen bad ones, frankly. I mean, some, you know, like the pace is a little slow. Some may talk over your head a bit. But you know what? In an hour, just do the research. You'll find your person and um, find the course that's right for you. And, and just go into YouTube and search uh, Logic Beginners Tutorials and learn how to use Logic. Learn how to use Pro Tools. Learn how to use whatever DAW you think would be best for you because of the type of music you make. Um, Pro Tools and Logic are, are great, like General DAWs, very, very good. Um, there are others that are more suited to EDM. There are others that um, are just more like production-oriented for beat-oriented dance music. Um, but find the one that suits you well. Ask around, go on the taxi forum, tell people what kind of music you want to make, and they will recommend what they think is the right DAW for you. And then look at, see if there's a consensus and go buy one. They're pretty inexpensive. I mean, you can buy Logic for $200. And as I've said many, many times on the show before, I've worked in multi-million dollar studios. Most hours that I have logged in the studio, which is thousands upon thousands of hours, were in multi-million dollar studios and they cannot hold a candle to all the stuff that is in Logic that I bought for $200. So there you go. Um, here's another one for you. I will go to the Taxi Blogs forward or the Forwards blog and listen to at least three forwards for listings that I didn't get forwarded to, so I can take notes about what my fellow members did that I could incorporate into my work and make it better. Let me repeat that one. I will go to the Taxi Forwards blog and listen to at least three forwards for listings that I didn't get forwarded to. So I can take notes about what my fellow members did, fellow members meaning the ones who got forwarded, so that I can incorporate that into my work and make it better. Um, virtually 100%, I shouldn't even say virtually, 100% of our members who are successful have all said to me, oh yeah, I check out the forwards blog. I check out the forwards section of the forum. Hell yeah, do I listen to the stuff that my fellow members um, got forwarded? Yeah. Was it maybe intimidating the first couple times where I go, man, I'm never going to be that good? Yeah, probably. But now they are the people that are getting forwarded because they learned what they were not doing that the successful people were. You can do that. That, my friends, is a great example of something small and achievable. All depends how badly you want it, right? Because if you really want it, you don't have to force yourself to do it. You just have to be a little bit responsible. Set a time and an alarm for five days a week uh, where you spend just an hour a day on something like these things, working on your music, or even five minutes. You could, well, let's say 15 minutes. Spend 15 minutes a day listening to stuff on the Forward blog. Could you imagine how fast you would move forward in your skills? Um, another one. Turn that bad boy off. Ooh, my screen is dirty. Um, cell phones are evil. They're a necessary tool. They bring many great things to life. Um, but, you know, they are the world's biggest distraction. And it's just so much easier to look at Facebook or look at Instagram or, or look at TikTok and have a good chuckle over a cat riding around on a dog's back or something 
so much easier to do that than actually watch a tutorial on how to go into record mode on your DAW, right? Maybe you don't want it that badly. Because I've got to believe that learning how to record, you've got a multi-million dollar studio sitting in front of you for a couple hundred dollars. You can go out and buy a microphone like that that sounds really good for, I don't know, 150 bucks or something. Um, and plug it into that DAW and you can actually be making real recordings and watch those videos and you'll be shocked at how quickly um, your recordings will sound good. You can do that, but it's easier to watch TikTok. Um, you know, there's something to be said about the endorphins that the internet uh, stirs up the endorphins and, and sends you off to your happy place in your brain without you even realizing it. It's, it's like shooting heroin, it's addictive. But when you start to be get no when when you start to get good at recording, and you get a great acoustic guitar sound, or you get a great vocal sound on yourself, or you get a great anything or a great mix, just any of that stuff. If you don't get satisfaction and some pride and feel good about doing that, then maybe this isn't a career path you should follow. Um, there are endorphins involved, trust me. When you make a great sounding recording, your endorphins will be happy endorphins. But turn off your cell phone. Count how many times in a day you reach for your cell phone. I read a figure a couple months ago. Actually, I was reading it on an airplane back in November. Um, the average person looks at their cell phone like 873 times a day or something, whatever the number is. I'm just pulling that out of my butt. but. Whatever the number was, it was staggering. And then when I thought about it, I thought, you know, that's totally believable. I'm awake 18 hours a day. Let's do some math with our cell phones. I'm awake for 18 hours a day. Let me go to my calculator. There we go. So 18 hours a day, and I probably look at my phone 30 times in an hour, maybe? Just guessing. That's 540 times. Yep, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Andy Taylor says, procrastination is bad enough without mobile phones. Hell yeah, I could not agree more. Maurice Cobb has the best home studio on the planet. Maurice, have you posted pictures of your best home studio on the planet uh, on our forum in the studio? You know, we've got a, a section of the forum where people should go post because uh, other members love reading about each other's home studio. So uh, I'm saying this not facetiously, saying it for real. Take some pictures, show an equipment list, tell everybody what you got in there. People love to drool over their friends' studios. Um, okay. Uh, where am I? Try not to look at social media for an entire day. Gee. Is it that important that your friend celebrated a birthday? Is it that important that your best friend's kid went to their first day of kindergarten today? I mean, those are all nice things, part of life. Uh, and they call it uh, social media for a reason. But is it really that critical that you know all that stuff today? Why don't you save it until like 11 o'clock tonight when you crawl into bed and rather than turning on the news or whatever you watch in bed at night before you fall asleep, assuming you do, or read a book, read your social media then. Get caught up in that stuff then. 
Um, it, it is the biggest time sucker in the world. I'm a little guilty of it, but not very guilty of it. I've got some social media accounts, but I put them under fake names and I don't look at them very often. I use them more for work, to be honest, than anything else. And uh, I don't care if my friends and family members hate me because I don't like every picture. I'm actually on a thing with one of I've got four daughters, two of whom have children already. So I've got grandkids. Am I a terrible grandfather? because my daughter posts stuff in, in the family photo thing on Apple, whatever it is, every day. And all the other grandparents go in there and like pictures and make comments. Oh, she's so cute. She's so smart. That dog is adorable. <sighs> I don't. I just tell my daughter whenever I see them, hey, guess what? I look at all the pictures, unless you send them during taxi TV, but I don't have time to sit there and like them all. That's not my job. I'd rather be present when I'm with my grandkids and do cool stuff like bring them sour, sour patch candy to rot their teeth or take them fishing in a, a pond loaded with alligators. I do exciting stuff. I'm a cool grandpa. But to sit there and just look at all these pictures, I, I look at the pictures, I just don't write the comments. And I don't want to interact with the other grandparents. Not that they're all not wonderful people, except my ex-wife, but I... I I don't have time to go, oh, yeah, isn't she adorable? Oh, yes, she is. I was over there Sunday, and she said this. I don't have time. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible human being, a really bad father to my daughters, and a horrible grandfather to my grandkids. I admit it. I need to go to Grandparents Anonymous. Um, make a list of unproductive things that you do to, that prevent you from doing what you should be doing. Man, I don't think I have enough space left on my hard drive and my computer to do that. Unproductive things that you do. You know what I do? My unproductive, my... <laughs> when I know, I, I did this a lot when we were on lockdown and we were all working from our homes during the quarantine. <laughs> I, at some point, I was just like, I have been at this table for 17 hours today, and I'm not exaggerating that. Um, and I knew that I had something else I needed to get done because I was on deadline. I needed to get done before I went to bed that night. Instead, I would go out to my workbench in the garage and do something like fix a little crystal figurine that my wife accidentally bumped off a counter a year before. And it sat there on my workbench. And I'd go out there and I would super glue that thing, you know, and spend like 45 minutes super gluing it so you couldn't even tell it was glued. Not that important. And really what I was doing was justifying, oh, this needs to be done. It's been sitting here for like nine months. I got to do it, make my wife happy. And really what I was doing was just procrastinating. I was putting off the work that I didn't really want to do. But why wouldn't I want to do that work? It's for a company I love. It's for our members that I love. It's my passion. It's what I do. But I procrastinated. Um, so that would be on my list of unproductive things. But try that. Take just like two days. And every time you feel yourself doing something unproductive, write it down. And go back and analyze your unproductive things that you do and say to yourself, if I really want to be successful in music, wouldn't it make more sense to just like not piss away an hour a day doing unproductive stuff? So just if you took an hour a day and dedicated that to learning how to make better recordings or learning how to compose better instrumentals or write better lyrics for your songs, an hour a day. I'd be, you know, counting Christmas day off, Easter day off, 
New Year's Day off. I think there's six or seven or eight legal holidays that most people take off. So yeah, take those off. So let's say you do about 358 hours a year that you get back in your arsenal or your inventory, better word, uh, that you get back in your inventory of time by just not doing stupid stuff to avoid the stuff you should be doing. Does it take a little work? Yeah. Um, work's not as much fun as fun. We all know that. But again, you want to be successful with your music, right? Everything you need is right in front of you. Why not take advantage of it? All right. Some other things that you can do in five minutes. Oh, um, you know what? I'm going to include three things that I was going to disinclude, but I've got plenty of time, so I'm going to include them. Wake up early. Yep. I know. It's painful, but coffee solves that problem. Wake up early. Taxi member Random Purcell gets up at 4.30 in the morning. 4.30 in the morning. So he can get two and a half hours of music production work done before his wife and kids get up and come downstairs for their cold cereal. Imagine if you had two and a half. Let's pull out the calculator. Let's do some math. Okay. Clear that one out. So let's say that you do 350 days a year. Now, you know what? Let's just do business days. Let's do five days a week. Let's say you're a fantastic family person, certainly better than I am. Um, and let's say that you spend two and a half hours a day, five days a week. So it's 2.5 times five. That is 12 and a half hours a week times, let's say 50 weeks out of the year times 50 weeks. That's 625 hours of time. 625 hours. How much music could you make in 625 hours? Let's, excuse me, divide that by a 40-hour work week. That's 15.6 weeks, which comes out to about four months. Imagine you had four months to work on your music. This is all doable, people. It really, truly is all doable. Uh, Carl Wurzbach goes to bed at 2 a.m. Sadly, so do I. Uh, anywhere between midnight and 2 a.m. But you know what? I still get up, sadly, at 7 in the morning. Some days earlier than that. Um, I don't know why, but over the last few years, it seems like I only need five hours of sleep anymore. Um... They say it's a function of getting old, so apparently I'm getting old. Anyway, um, so there you go. Be like Randon Purcell, one of our more successful members. Um, get up at 4.30 in the morning. Here's another one for you. Write down one thing you will do um, with your early time the next morning before you go to bed. Don't wake up and sit there staring at your cup of coffee at 4.30 in the morning going, what should I do? No, come up with a plan for what you're going to do. Tomorrow, I'm going to record a solo piano cocktail jazz piece that I can do 90 seconds of that, give it a nice buttoned ending, make sure my levels are good, my piano sounds are good, and there, I've got a cue done. And I did it in two and a half hours while my family was upstairs sleeping. Um, so write it down the night before. Have a plan. 
Create a to-do list and check off items as you accomplish them. Now, this is coming from a guy who read the book um, Getting Things Done. Remember that book, Getting Things Done? I didn't finish the book. <laughs> I love telling that story. It just shows how flawed I really am. But I do work off a checklist. Hold on. Oh, you know what? I started a new, a new book. And there's nothing really important on there, but there's some plans for Taxi for 2022 that I don't want to put on the internet. Here, let's see. Can you see through? No, you can't. Anyway, you'll just have to take my word for it. Today is Monday, January 3rd. Do I have a list about that long in my day runner? Yes. Am I checking them off as I do them? Yes. <sighs> Um, okay, make a list of things that you can do in five minutes and do one at the start of each day. Here's an easy one for you. Spend five minutes, just five freaking minutes to read the three listings we sent you. It freaks me out. That's why we send them out at 5.55 a.m., by the way, Pacific time. Um, we want to get them to you early in the day. But it freaks me out when people say to me, oh, you don't have any listings in my genre. What's your genre? And they tell me and I go, oh yeah, we do. Do you read the emails? Uh, not that often. Well, then how the hell would you know if we have the listings in your genre or not? <clears throat> Spend five minutes. How many opportunities have you missed for success with your music in any given year by not spending five minutes a day to look at those three listings that are in your email? Five minutes. Next one. Listen to one reference song or a reference track in a taxi listing every day to get familiar with current artists' sounds and production styles. Oh, woe is me. Whoa, whoa, woe is me. Play the violin. They keep telling me my music sounds dated. Well, we all know the cure for dated music is to listen to current music. Well, I don't even know where to begin. Which playlist do I listen to? Blah, 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 blah. Million excuses procrastination. You know what? Just listen to the taxi references. Who do we all think the world of and idolize? Greatest songwriting coach in the world, Robin Frederick, right? Okay, what does Robin Frederick do? Every time I forget and I ask her, Robin, how do you stay so incredibly tuned in? I mean, Robin is not 25 years old. Not saying she's ancient, but she ain't 25 years old, that period in your life where you consume a lot of music. Um, <laughs> you know what Robin Frederick does to stay on the cutting edge of what's new in the world of music? She reads the taxi listings and clicks the links to listen to the references. She claims that that is her secret weapon. If it's good enough for Robin Frederick, damn it, it's good enough for you. Just do it. Okay. Um, take any musical genre you feel comfortable with and make a quick list of moods or emotions that would work within that genre. Okay, um, so let's uh, take an Oh, I've got an example here. An example, rock. Well, what do we have under the rock umbrella? We've got anthemic rock for moods and emotions. We've got anthemic rock, uplifting rock, Dark and scary rock, sad and depressing rock, <clears throat> swaggery rock, determined rock, angry rock, haunting rock, 
carefree rock, mechanical rock, rousing rock, rebellious rock. You get the idea. All those different moods can be evoked under the umbrella of rock music. So think about that. Don't just sit down and create a piece of rock music and whatever comes out of you, whatever the muse drops in your lap at that moment, why not create some rock with a purpose? I'm going to do some swagger rock today. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I'm going to grab a cough drop. I'll be right back. Do I keep a stash of cough drops with me? <laughs> there was a time when this might have been a bag of weed. Now it's a bag of cough drops. <laughs> yes, everybody loves swagger. And guess who talked about swagger during the road rally? Let's see if anybody gets the right answer to this. The first person who tells me which one of our road rally interviewees mentioned swagger as being something everybody should have I will send you a taxi t-shirt, either in heather gray or white, in your size. Okay. Oh, I don't have a TikTok sound effect. Not fat. I'm not giving you any more hints. Uh, nope, not Bobby Borg. Marion Laird. I was like number two today, Marion. You're not answering the question. <laughs> Kelly J, nope. I may not have to give away that t-shirt after all. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you until you guys just give up. It was a lady, but I can't remember her name. <laughs> Steve Barden, nope. Not Rob Shirelli, nope. I'm just doing this to stall for time so I can finish my cough drop. Ronan, nope. Dean Crepaine, nope. Are you guys going to go down the entire list? Right now you're all on the rally page looking at every single speaker, right? I missed the question, but I'm sure I don't know the answer. There you go, Katie. Um, the, the question was, which one of our road rally interviewees said every music supervisor needs a swagger song, every TV show, every movie? Sooner or later, they need swagger, so all musicians. Um, whoa, Chris, oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, Songs from a Headband was the first person. Mary Ramos said it. Songs from a Headband, please email your address and your T-shirt size um, to taxitv at taxi.com, and Liz will get one of those ordered and sent to you shortly. Hopefully you live in the fort lower 48. Mary Ramos, she actually said that. She said, everybody should have a swagger song. So there you go. Make that your mission tomorrow. If you're like a rock person, get up and do a rock swagger song. Katie Dobbins is new here. Got to catch up on the Road Rally replay. Good job, Katie. I just saw somebody posted today that they finally got caught up. There's a wealth of information in there. A ton. You know what? 
make that one of your things. Watch one hour of road rally content per day. Um, Coronado, California, I know it well. Um, it's nice down there. How close are you to the, the hotel? Anyway, um, sorry for my cough drop sounds. I know it's very unprofessional of me. Um, anyway, one hour of road rally stuff a day. You'll be a genius by the end of that. Anybody who watches all that stuff, literally, uh, people tell me this. Uh, you know, I went, oh, somebody, hold on. I've got the evidence right here. This is from Jennifer Bowman Music. I read this the other day, but I'm going to read it again because I'm so grateful that she took the time to write this. Dear Michael, sincere thanks for your efforts in another successful taxi road rally. I've been a member for just over two years. The knowledge I'm gaining from taxi is really like no other I have received in music, and I am a Juilliard-trained performer and educator. So, yes, taxi is better than Juilliard. Take that, Juilliard. Um, thank you again. Hope to see you in person next year, Jennifer Bowman. Thank you, Jennifer. Really appreciate that. I keep it on my desk so I can read it on Taxi TV every opportunity I get. Anyway, um, Ken Mesford made it home so you can watch the last few minutes. Hell, we've got uh, 37 minutes left to go. Okay. Focus, Lasco. Focus. Uh, take any music. Oh, did that one already. Write one short melody a day. All right. Time to spit out the cough drop. So professional, right? Um, write one melody a day. One a day. Even if it's just a line. You know, just a melody every day. Most of them aren't going to be that good. Some of them will be downright awful. But every now and then you're going to write one and go, whew, that's so good. Did I steal that from a hit song? Let me check. Why, no, I didn't. It's my own damn really good melody. Yay. Um, write one opening lyric line for a song each day. Again, that would be like 50, you know, five of those a week times 50 weeks a year. That's 250. 250 song starters a year. Out of those 250, 245 of them are going to be mediocre to just plain eh. But five of them will be like, holy crap, did I write that? That's really good. Um, by the way, I see Edmund and some other folks in there. Guys, I want you to know I did get your kind wishes in emails during the holiday but I did something that I haven't done in a very long time, which was I went sometimes for two or three days at a shot without pulling my laptop out of my backpack. I ignored you. <laughs> Don't take it personally. I just, I'm still recuperating from the rally. I, I just beat myself up for this year's road rally. And uh, even though I took off that, well, I didn't take off. It was a, a working trip. I was out of the country for a month and still working every day and working over there on a personal project. And uh, man, oh man, I just, any chance I get to disconnect from work now, I'm trying to take it. I really need to like, I wanted to take the time off and start 2022 with a bang. And uh, I did. I sat down last night 
actually uh, and made a bunch of lists of stuff that I've got to do and organize some thoughts. I'm prepping, um, again, I don't want to show you it's on here, but writing down notes on little pieces of paper as while I was standing in the kitchen washing dishes last night um, and, and writing down notes. I'm going to do a staff meeting in the next, I don't know, four or five days, and I, I want to like organize all that stuff in my head. So there you go. Um, write just one song title per day. There are so many great song titles in TV shows. You know what? Let's say that you are a songwriter and an instrumental cue producer. If you watch reality TV, which I know is hard, hard to make it through. Um, I personally have a pretty strong aversion to reality TV, but that is where most of our members that are making money with their music are making their money by getting instrumental cues in reality TV, but there's something in there for songwriters as well. And you know what that is? Some of the stuff that comes out of people's mouths during those shows, even though reality shows aren't really that reality-based, a lot of it, it may not be like scripted, but they're told, hey, can you guys get into a fight, you know, about who's taking the car tonight kind of stuff. Um, so listen to what they say. My wife will tell you that I, I sit there, watch TV, and go, Ooh, that'd be a great title for a song. So there you go. You're watching reality TV. You're learning how the instrumental cues are used. You're learning why a buttoned ending or a sting out is important. You're learning why having a little boom, boom, boom going in is important. You're learning about not having too many instruments baked into your cake is important because it gets in the way of the dialogue. You're learning all that stuff. And then you notice somebody saying something and go, that would be a great title for a song. Maybe even a great first line for the lyric, right? So there you go. If you're going to watch TV, damn it, make it valuable. Um, listen to music from one of your fellow members every day and start to build a list of potential collaborators. Don't reach out to them before the timing is right. But you know what? You should have... Um, kind of a list of people, you know, that Maurice is a great, whatever Maurice is great at, that uh, Paul Croteau is a great saxophonist, um, Andre Stepanian, incredible guitarist. I love Andre, Andre's guitar playing, by the way. If you haven't checked Andre's website out and listened to his music, do yourself a favor. Um, anyway, he's blushing right now. I know he's very shy. <laughs> uh, anyway, there you go. So look for potential collaborators and make a list of them and have that ready to go for the day that you need it. Why wait until you're up against the deadline, realize you need a part, and then start looking. All right, next one. Buy or print out a calendar and put a big red X. This is like the scarlet letter big red X on every day that you don't achieve a five-minute goal like the aforementioned stuff. At the end of the month, write the number of days you missed at the top of the calendar in red. Use a Sharpie, but not on the white bedspread in your bedroom. Not that I've ever done that. Sometimes stuff leaks through. Sharpies are dangerous. You know what? If you have kids that are under 30, don't have any Sharpies in the house, just saying. 
Um, anyway, at the end of the month, write down the number of days that you screwed up and didn't do your five-minute goal, and then tape it to a wall in a place where you have to see it every day so you can feel the gut-wrenching, heart-stopping guilt of what a big fat loser you are because you couldn't find five minutes a day to do something that moves you forward toward your goal. Shame on you. Um, conversely, when you make something, whoops, wrong, the human brain is wired to recognize and welcome patterns. Did you know that? Talk to obsessive compulsive people about that. They'll, they'll confirm what I'm telling you. If you make something a habit, your brain will soon see it as a pattern and begin to like it so much that when you don't do it, your subconscious will feel an emotional void and drive you to stick with the habit. I'm that way with, let's see, I take zinc, quercetin, vitamin D3. Um, what's that other stuff for gut health? Probiotics, a statin for cholesterol, fish oil, and one other thing, every night, every night. And I've got to say, there are nights where I crawl into bed and I go, oh man, it's freezing out there. The bathroom is 15 feet away. I don't want to go in there and spend five minutes opening up all those bottles and taking out the pills. It's a lot of work, but the guilt gets to me. I know because I did this last night. I got into bed last night. <laughs> I was so tired. I was literally nodding off, which is hard for me to nod off like when my head hits the pillow. But I was that tired last night and I turned off the light, shut my eye, and I thought, oh crap, I didn't take my little bevy of pills. Oh, it's hard to get out. It's so hard to get out. It's cold. I don't want to walk there in my bare feet and I don't feel like bending over to put on, I don't have house slippers, by the way. Um, Deb, if you're watching, house slippers next year for Hanukkah. Um, so, <laughs> in flannel jammy bottoms to go with the house slippers, <laughs> like the all-American dad right there. Um, anyway, I felt guilty. I could have skipped one day of those drugs. I don't think I'm gonna catch COVID because I missed one day of zinc or one day of vitamin three. I'm pretty sure my guts aren't gonna explode because I didn't take one day of the probiotics. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna get like a stick of butter crammed into my aorta because I didn't take my statin one day out of my life. But the guilt drove me to brave the freezing cold, turn on the light, go in there and spend five minutes opening them up, taking them out. You know, it's dangerous to swallow like six pills at a time. But did I do it last night? Yes, I did. Okay, so roll with the guilt. Let it drive you to do things that you're trying to weasel out of. There, very well said. I should write a book on that topic. Um, if you wait until if you wait to start till you have all your ducks in a row, whoo, that right there is the master plan of procrastination. Wait, well, I don't have all my ducks in a row, so I'm not going to start. Bad, bad, Leroy Brown, right there, really bad. That is that is the penultimate. Is that the right word in this context? Penultimate excuse for not starting something because you don't have your ducks in a row. Pshaw. Um, make yourself accountable by making one of, oh, this is a good one. Make yourself accountable by making one of your friends sort of a study buddy 
and emailing or texting them one thing you accomplish every day. You know I'm right. Pick any other person in the chat room, make your list of stuff, and then do it. Oh, look at that. I'm kind of on time. Um, and then just hit your study buddy with an email or a text every day that says, uh, second to last? Well, maybe that wasn't the right word. Sometimes my vocabulary is actually bigger than my knowledge of what the words mean. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, study buddy, right? You know, I do remember for the, the few times I actually set foot on campus or went to a class during the five years I went to college, um, I do remember that I had a guy, I was taking a, a marketing course, actually, my favorite thing, uh, and we were assigned to a group of like four or five students, and there was this one guy in the group who was kind of a social outcast, you know, he wasn't the most handsome guy in the world, he didn't have a lot of like social skills, kind of nerdy. People generally didn't like him. Uh, well, they didn't know him well enough to not like him, but you know, he, he didn't have a lot of friends. So he was the guy that I picked because I felt sorry for him. And he seemed like a nice enough guy. I think his name was Ken. I remember he drove a blue Oldsmobile. So there you go. Remember that like all these years later. And I picked him to be my study buddy, my partner on the, on the project. And I've got to say, I ended up really liking the guy, which made me even sadder that other people didn't gravitate to his magnetic personality, which he really didn't have. But he was a good guy and a smart guy, and we worked really well together on the project. And I wouldn't have done so well in that project did I not feel accountable to him and having him know, okay, I did this task, I did that task. So uh, pick a study buddy. I'm telling you, that will work. Um, tell everybody, I know that this works from my own personal experience to the point where every friend I had wanted to puke every time I walked into a room, and here's why. When I started Taxi, I would tell everybody I knew. If we went to a holiday dinner, I would tell everybody at the table, my wife's like, do you think they really care about your life? You gotta quit talking about this Taxi thing. I talked about it everywhere. Why? because I had a compulsion to let everybody know because I have a big enough ego that if everybody knew, if all my friends knew what I was doing, I would never fail at it, especially I did not want to fail in front of my family and, and children, my wife and kids. Um, let everybody you know. Uh, I am determined this year to get a piece of music placed in a TV show. This is what I'm doing. If you tell enough people, you're gonna be so mortified at the fact that you might not accomplish that goal. And the next time you're at like, you know, a New Year's Eve celebration or a Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, or what have you, and they go, so Chuck, what's going on with that music in the TV thing? And you gotta sit there and go, eh, not happening. Why is it not happening, Chuck? Because I'm a big fat loser and I didn't follow Michael's New Year's resolution things on the show. <laughs> so tell everybody, really tell everybody, let your own ego and the f risk of being embarrassed in front of people that matter to you be the thing that drives you to accomplish the goal. Okay. Um, here's one. <laughs> 
maybe we should talk about this on the quarantini. You know what? Let's do a quarantini this Thursday. Let me check my schedule. I remember booking something for Thursday this week, but I probably wouldn't book it for 4 o'clock. Nope. I've got a meeting at 11 a.m. Quarantini happy hour, 4 o'clock today. And the topic of the quarantini is going to be how many pieces of music, excuse me, did you finish in 2021? And I, I don't care if you had COVID and you were in the hospital for a month. You know, you can bring a laptop to the hospital. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I do care about your health. But uh, that's what I'm saying is, you know what? Let's look at facts. Let's look at the reality. How many pieces of music did you finish in 2021? And we won't allow, let's see, who do we know that makes a lot of music? Matt Vanderbo. Uh, Matt Vanderbo can't play this game. I'm really, really, really working late on Thursday. Can't do it. Maurice Cobb. Seriously? What could possibly be more important than a quarantine happy hour? Just saying. <laughs> Call in sick, Maurice. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, we're going to do that. Thursday, 4 o'clock, right here on this channel. We are going to do how many pieces of music did you complete? Not start, not think about, not lay down a rhythm track for, not like I've got everything but the mix. How many pieces of music did you conceive write, record, produce, do a final mix of, that they are submittable pieces of music right now, this minute, today. None of this, oh, I got to go back and do another mix, or I got to go back and put in another keyboard part. No, you don't. How many pieces are actually done? How many did you do in 2021? I am really curious to see. Because that, my friends, um, <laughs> Martin Gravel says, quarantine happy hour is life. There you go. Polly's here. Polly, where I don't see Polly. I was talking about you before. Um, damn, now I can't talk about him behind his back because he's actually in the room. Crap. Anyway, so the first resolution is to quit lying to yourself. Don't tell yourself, I seriously want to make it in the music industry and then say, well, I only recorded 12 pieces of music last year. That's one a month. There's so many people that don't, oh, you know what? <clears throat> Where is that book? I think, is it in that one or this one? <laughs> I, I was looking, when I was putting this together, I was using uh, Stephen Pressfield for inspiration. Turning Pro, great book. Don't read it first. Read The War of Art first, but we'll get to books in a minute. Liz is frantically looking right now for the Turning Pro, the link to Turning Pro. I didn't give you that one in the stack, Liz. <laughs> this one's an also thing. Um, <laughs> Pressfield writes, the amateur tweets, the pro works. Beautifully said, the amateur tweets, the pro works. In other words, if you're spending time tweeting or Facebooking, you're probably not a pro. So, I've got to find this. Hopefully, I can find it kind of quick. 
Ooh, here's a good one. Once we commit to an action, the worst thing we can do is stop. Where is it? Oh, well. Here's a summary. I actually wrote this down. I always make notes inside the books. I don't know where that note... Oh, well. Okay, so the short version is my interpretation of it. When we finish something, we're afraid to be judged. So most people never complete the task, the product, the song, the instrumental piece. Um, yeah, you know what? It's one thing to start a song. It's another thing to finish it. Why don't we finish? Oftentimes it's because if we finish it, then we're going to submit it to Taxi, and those mean old screeners are going to go, not good enough. So you're afraid. So that little evil voice inside you goes, let's not finish it right now. Because if we do, then we can be judged or told that it sucks. It sucks. So don't finish it. Screw that. Finish it. Doesn't matter if one of the screeners doesn't forward it. You're going to get better. That's another thing I've really noticed. The last couple of years, the screeners have gotten so good that we get far more compliments about the screeners than we get complaints. It used to be like 80% complaints, 20% compliments. Now it's the complete reverse of that. So good job, screeners. Great job to Tom and his department for helping the screeners become so damn good. Um, so resolve that you won't fear being judged when you create new music. It's the music that's being judged, not you. They don't dislike you. They don't hate you. They don't think you're too short or too fat or too ugly or any of that stuff. It's just a piece of music didn't hit the nail on the head. Not the world's worst thing. Guess what? You can wake up tomorrow and do another piece of music, and you'll be better tomorrow than you were yesterday, right? Always. So there you go. Um, and if somebody doesn't like that song or instrumental track, so what? Don't let the fear crush your passion for creating new music. It's a stupid fear. So what if they don't like a piece of music? Finish it. Resolve that you will treat music like a business. Remember what my dad, that's my dad, Michael Lasko's dad, always said, if you treat it like a hobby, it will pay you like a hobby. I've said that countless times on this show. If you treat it like a hobby, it will pay you like a hobby. If there is an overarching, now if there's a common thread that I see amongst taxi members who aren't successful using taxi, it's that they don't seem to move past treating things like a hobby. Their music is a hobby because it's been a hobby. They're, they've habituated the hobbiness of their music. It's like, let's hang out and jam, or I'm going to sit down tonight and see if I can write a song. Everything is kind of in this ephemeral, you know, I'm in the moment now moment, and, and then you're out of it. That's treating it like a hobby. Finishing a piece of music is treating it like a job, and you get paid for jobs, right? Hopefully you do. Um, and finally... Yes, folks, we're at the end of my very long list. And finally, if you haven't already read these books I'm about to show you. Liz will post links for these books um, in the chat room for you. 
The first one is the aforementioned The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Um, if you haven't read this book, you are hurting yourself. You're cheating yourself. You're doing a disservice to yourself. Read this book. You can seriously bang this book out in like three hours. <clears throat> it's such an engrossing read and there's so much great stuff in here. You won't be able to put it down. Fire this baby up with a cup of coffee by, on Saturday morning and by early afternoon, you'll be done reading this book and you'll be going back and underlining all kinds of stuff. I'm looking for some of the cool stuff I underlined. I like this book so much that I reached out to Stephen Pressfield and he was our, um, our keynote interview for the 2020 Road Rally. I'll bet you don't even know this, but if you're a taxi member, you've got links on your member profile page that will actually take you to the inside private stuff that only taxi members can see and you can watch that interview with Stephen Pressfield. Uh, he's amazing. I'm looking for something profound right now just to show you how amazing he is. Um, come on. Ask yourself this question about the activity. Songwriting. Okay, this is a great one. This is how profound this guy is. Let this sink in for a minute. Regarding songwriting or making music, ask yourself this question. If I were the last person on earth, would I still do it? If I were the last person on earth, would I still do it? Think about that. That's deep. Okay, next book. Gotta have it. <clears throat> Look at that friendly face. This guy is a good friend of mine, good friend of taxis. Oh, there's here he is smiling. <laughs> that, my friends, is Steve Barden, who is a highly accomplished composer. I have tremendous respect for him. And he wrote this book, which is Writing Production Music for TV by Steve Barden, subtitled The Road to Success. You gotta have it. You absolutely have to have. Every book I'm showing you, if you don't have all these books, you're hurting yourself. It's like, I'm going to be a mountain climber, but I'm not going to wear a rope. Well, you're not going to be a mountain climber for very long. <laughs> Read these books, Writing Production Music for TV, The Road to Success by Steve Barden. Got to have it. Next one. Demystifying the Cue by another taxi member, Dean Crepain. He's a member of the like Taxi Hall of Fame. Ooh, we should start a Taxi Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I like that, the Taxi Hall of Fame. All right, we're gonna do that. Liz, can you please make a note so I can add that to my list of things to discuss at the big annual staff meeting? Thank you. Um, anyway, there's Dean right there. Um, incredibly good book, gotta have this book. And don't think because you read that book that you shouldn't get this book, Demystifying the Genre, because this book actually has links to the actual instrumental cues that Dean references in the book. So you can read what the instrumentation was, what his production technique, what his arrangement was, all that stuff, and listen to it while you're reading about it. 
if you don't if, if you want to do instrumental cues for film and TV and you don't have that book right there what can I say I'm heartbroken for you Shortcuts to Hit Songwriting by Robin Frederick. Virtually everybody you see in the chat room um, has this book. Robin Frederick is a savant. I've never met anybody in my almost 50-year career in the real music industry. I don't think I've ever met anybody that even comes close to Robin for analyzing what it is that makes a song work or makes songs plural work. She has an ability. I mean, Ralph Murphy was one of my very closest friends. God rest his soul. Um, great songwriter, great producer, beloved by many, many people um, in Nashville. He was a senior vice president uh, of ASCAP, um, spoke all over the world, is gifted and insightful and just Ralph was voracious about learning more about songwriting, even though he'd been doing it for 50 or 60 years. Robin has a special gift that I don't know anybody else that has the gift at the level she got it. So read her book. If you don't have this book, and, and full disclosure, I am the publisher and I make a few bucks if you buy the book. Um, and last but not least, we have... The book that's got a see-through cover. Isn't that cool? I mean, really, how often can you buy a book with a Lucite cover that has a Neve console sitting inside? <laughs> if you think that's cool, hang on, kids. Look what I brought back today. Oh, not working. Wrong color green. <laughs> The Taxi Mix Visualizers, the wrong color. God, it looks, no, it's more yellow. Anyway, um, it was so much funnier when I did that like a year and a half ago. I put a green thing on my head and called it the Mix Visualizer, and you could see the console right through my forehead. Anyway, this book, Shortcuts to Songwriting for Film and TV. Uh, this was the second book that Robin wrote, and it's shocking to me. The first book has been a bestseller. The second book has not sold as many copies because people think, well, I already learned how to write great songs by reading her first book. Yeah, but they're great songs for radio and records. Film and TV is an entirely different discipline. Yeah, it's got melody. Yeah, it's got beats. It's got other things that are similar. It's got an arrangement. But this book is the only book on this subject anywhere in the market, and it's a phenomenally good book. If you don't read this book, wow. Don't write songs for film and TV without reading this book. And again, where else can you get a see-through book? So there you have it, kids. Those are my, my very long list of resolutions for 2022. Um, all of us at Taxi... First of all, I hope you had great holidays um, and that you have a really, really great 2022. And if it is your desire to become successful, whatever that means for you, for, like I said in the beginning of the show, for some people it would be just having one piece of music in a TV show where you can have your family and friends come over for some pizza and wings and go, that's my music in that TV show that just got heard by millions of people. 
That's one level or one type of success. Other people having a hit song cut by a huge, big artist. Um, another one might be getting your band, you know, having a hit record with with your band, getting signed. Although a lot of people go, oh, I don't want to sign with a major label. I have never, ever met any musician in my life that if the president of Atlantic Records or Sony or Universal called and said, we love you as an artist or we love your band, we'd like to sign you. Why, no, thank you. I'm not interested in hang up. Ain't going to happen. We all know it. So anybody who says, I wouldn't sign with a major label, down deep inside thinks they're not good enough to get signed by a major label. And that's why they can say because they know they'll never have to turn one down. Um, anyway, all of us who work here, myself, the, the staff, the screeners, all of us really delight in helping you guys all year long. Um, I don't know why we delight in it so much, but we really do. Um, it, it feels good to help people. And I guess maybe the reason we delight in it is that we're all big fans of making music. Music creation is something that we all share and uh, certainly appreciation, if not creation. And uh, to be able to help you guys live your dream feels really, really good. But we can only do it if you use the tools that we give you, right? So please go back and rewatch this show or maybe you already took notes and have picked out some resolutions that are achievable for you. And let's make this year, 2022, the year that whatever goal you want, that at least you get one foot on the first rung of the ladder or maybe two or three rungs up. But make something happen this year, okay? With that, I bid you a fond farewell. Don't forget to give us a like. Couldn't hurt. Doesn't cost you anything. It's easy. Press that like button. Robbie Hancock says it taxi works. It does. Um, and uh, I will see you guys on Thursday right back here at 4 o'clock so we can talk about how many pieces of music you actually completed in 2021. Till then, I wish you a fond farewell. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope you got something out of it. Bye-bye. <laughs>